We'll turn in our Bibles tonight to Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8. We want to read beginning at verse 15. And it came to pass when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning. Then behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uli, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. Let's stop reading there and look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that... uh, So many have come tonight, a very cold night, but we thank you that we have the warmth of your word, and we have the warmth of the presence of yourself here with us tonight. We pray that you would draw us close to the fire, that we might uh, allow uh, your spirit to speak to us. We thank you for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and for the remembrance of him. And we pray that you would direct our thoughts toward him tonight. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight I want to bring you a message entitled, Christmas, the Lord's Supper, and the Second Coming of Christ. And I hope that as we go through these scriptures tonight that you'll see, uh, indeed see these things as we study together. And the message centers around two angels. We just read about one of them here in Daniel chapter 8 and verse 16, and that's the angel Gabriel. We find the angel Gabriel mentioned by name four times in the scriptures. That's instructive because four in the Bible is the number of revelation. And angels are revelators if you will they are revealers they are messengers messengers who reveal the mind and the word of God but there's another aspect of the number four here in the the Bible as uh, John Phillips mentions in his Bible Explorer side a little book that you can get I think maybe they have them at the Christian bookstore But he points out that the number four is connected with the world. It's a number that is associated with the earth. There are four points to the compass, north and south and east and west. There are four divisions to the day, morning, noon, evening, and night. Four seasons in the year, spring and summer and fall and winter. There are four women in the earthly genealogy of the Lord Jesus, Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba. There are four world empires in Scripture, Babylon and Persia and Greece and Rome. The tabernacle was the earthly place where God met with his people. And the tabernacle, in the tabernacle, there were four materials used, gold and silver and brass and wood. And the point that brings both aspects of the number four together 
as the number of revelation is, and as the number that is connected with the earth are the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the revelation of the earthly life and the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus. And so it's significant that the angel Gabriel is mentioned here four times in the Bible. Because what we're going to find is that Gabriel's ministry is the revelation to Israel and to us of what is going to take place on the earth. Here in chapter 8, we have Daniel's vision by the river Uli. One of the things that's interesting about the book of Daniel is something that Pastor Kelly mentioned when he was preaching through this book some years ago. The book of Daniel is written in two languages. From chapter 2 and verse 4 through chapter 7 and verse 28, this book is written in Aramaic the language of ancient Syria, and a language that is identical with the Chaldean language of ancient Babylon. And it's no accident that the Spirit of God had Daniel write this way. Because from chapter 2 through chapter 7, the focus is on the Gentiles and the times of the Gentiles. And God wanted these Gentiles to hear the message of the prophecies of these chapters. And so he wrote it in their language. And a king, a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, heard the message. He heard it in his own tongue, in his own language. And he trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. What an example of how the Lord uses language. What an example of how the Lord Jesus is the Word. He's the word in every language. What an example of the genius of God that Paul described in Romans 11 and verse 33, where he said, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So chapter 2 through chapter 7 are written in the language of the Gentiles. But when we come to chapter 8, Daniel writes in Hebrew because he's dealing with uh, things that have to do with the nation of Israel. And we mention these things because it's here uh, that we're familiar, uh, or it's here that we find the angel Gabriel for the first time in Scripture talking, revealing to Daniel things that are going to take place concerning the nation of Israel, things that are going to take place here on the earth. There are two angels that we're familiar with here in the scriptures. And both of them are mentioned for the first time here in the book of Daniel. The first one that is mentioned is Gabriel. The other is Michael. Both of them are mentioned for the first time in the Hebrew portion of this book. And their ministry, at least in part, is to the nation of Israel. Now, Michael may be mentioned by name for the first time here in the book of Daniel. But Jude tells us that his first act took place at the burial of Moses. 
In Jude chapter 1 and verse 9, Jude tells us, Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. The first time uh, that we're told of Michael's actions, he's contending with, he's disputing, he is opposing the devil. The next time we find Michael, and it's the first time that he's mentioned by name, is in Daniel chapter 10. Look back uh, or look over to, to a page or two to Daniel chapter 10. Here in this chapter, there is an unnamed angel, an unnamed messenger that is sent to Daniel from the Lord uh, with a message to make him understand what was going to befall his people in the latter days. We read that in verse 14. But this messenger from the Lord is withstood for 21 days by the prince of the kingdom of Persia. The kingdom of Persia was and is one of Satan's principalities. We know it today as Iran. We've been fighting Iran. We've been fighting the flesh and blood, the human kingdom part of that country since 1979. When in November of that year, after the Shah had been removed or had been helped to be removed, actually, by a, of all things, a Democrat administration, that's when the Ayatollah Khomeini took control and the radicals took control of Iran. And the first thing they do is they take 52 hostages, 52 Americans hostage, and they hold them for 444 days. Until, interestingly enough, Ronald Reagan is elected president. And they decided that they would let the hostages go. But the principality, that's what we're talking about tonight. The spiritual kingdom of Iran goes back at least 2,500 years. And that's what's in view here. And so the prince of the king of Persia is not flesh and blood. It's a demon in Satan's kingdom. It's one of the powers. It's one of the rulers of the darkness of this world. The prince of the king of Persia is part of the spiritual wickedness in high places that Paul tells us about in Ephesians chapter 6 that we're wrestling against. Now notice here in verse 13 who it is that comes to the aid of this angel. Verse 13 of Daniel chapter 10. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. So here's the first time that we find Michael by name. But chronologically speaking, this is the second time that we read about him and about his actions in the Bible. And what we find him doing again is contending and disputing and opposing the powers of darkness. Look at verse 20. 
Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. We're reading here about spiritual warfare. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, Michael, your prince. Again, we're reading about spiritual warfare. We're reading some of the detail of Ephesians 6 and verse 12, where Paul says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That word high in that verse, if you look it up, means the heavenly regions. And it's a reference to things that take place, and specifically the warfare that is play, taking place every moment of every day in the heavenly regions. It's out of our view, but it's taking place. And notice who it is that this angel says, holdeth with me in these things. The word holdeth is a word that describes warfare. It's a word that means to put forth strength. It means to withstand. And who is it that is withholding? Uh, or who is it that is holding with this angel and putting forth strength? Who is it that is withstanding and fighting the powers of darkness? It's Michael. In Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 7, we read, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought in his angels. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. And so from the first time that we see Michael, to the last time that we see him, he's fighting and contending and disputing and opposing the devil and the powers of darkness on behalf of the nation of Israel. He's a defender of the nation of Israel. And I think we're going to see that he's also a defender of the church. I believe he's a defender of God's people. Now, there's one other mention of Michael in the book of Daniel. It's in chapter 12, if you'll turn over just a page to Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Every one that shall be found written in the book. So here's Michael again standing up, taking a stand for the nation of Israel. Now, the direct or the immediate reference here is to the great tribulation. We see that in the words, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. The great tribulation is the last three and a half years of the seven years of tribulation. 
It's the last half of the 70th week of Daniel. And I mention that because there's a thought here that I'd like for you to consider. Because it's a thought that applies to us. It's a thought that applies to, know, to those who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior in this hour. If we're saved tonight, we are the spiritual children of Abraham. Romans chapter 4 and verse 12 tells us that Abraham is the father of all them that believe. In Galatians 3.29, Paul says, And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so when we read here in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. It brings before our minds the time when Michael is going to stand up for the spiritual children of Abraham. Those who are written in the book, the book of life. Those who are saved by faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ the promised seed of Abraham on the cross of Calvary. That's what we're here to remember tonight. We're here to show the Lord's death. We're here to remember his body that was broken. We're here to remember his precious blood, and that word precious goes before it because there's only one blood that can be called precious. And that is the blood of God. And that is the blood that flowed in the veins of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the blood that he shed. And that's what we're here to remember tonight. Till he come. It's interesting how those words are there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And it creates this, this link between the, the, uh, the Lord's Supper and the coming of the Lord Jesus. And when the Lord comes, Michael is going to stand up for the children of God. And the 70th week of Daniel is going to begin. The time of Jacob's trouble is going to begin. And I want us to see when Michael is going to stand up for the children of God. When he's going to stand up for those who are Abraham's seed because they belong to Christ. Uh, keep your place here in the book of Daniel, if you will, and turn over to, in the New Testament to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And let's read it, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Now look at verse 16. 
For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. Jude tells us who the archangel is. It's Michael. Now, look back. Keep your place here in in 1 Thessalonians and look back at Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And thy people here is Daniel's people. But I believe it's also Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise those who have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. And so that's the primary reference, is is Abraham's seed according to the flesh, and Michael's going to stand up for them in, uh, in the midst of the 70th week of Daniel. But I believe that the secondary reference is to Abraham's spiritual seed, those who are Christ's at that time. The Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. And Michael's voice, Michael's voice is going to signal the beginning of the 70th week of Daniel. Michael's voice will signal the beginning of the final conflict with Satan and the Antichrist and the powers of darkness that are going to reign and and be at least for a period of time in control during the tribulation. But before that conflict begins, before the tribulation begins, the Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel. And Michael is going to stand up for the children of God. Those who put their faith and trust in him. He's going to stand up for those who are Christ. For those who are Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. And the reason that Michael is going to do that. Is because we're going to meet the Lord in the air. Now why mention that? Well because Satan is the prince of the power of the air. We learn that in Ephesians 2 and verse 2. And at the rapture, we're going to have to pass through his domain. And certainly Satan, who has withstood us, who has fought us, he's going to attempt to do what we read a few minutes ago back in chapter 10 and verse 13. If you want to turn back there again to uh, Daniel chapter 10 and verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. Withstood me. Notice the words there. But the prince. It's not a coincidence that this demon that withstood this angel sent to Daniel is called a prince. Because it's a reminder that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 20 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. When the Lord descends from heaven with a shout, the voice of the warrior angel Michael is going to be there because the devil and the powers of darkness are going to try to withstand us and prevent us from meeting the Lord in the air.
but Michael and his angels are going to clear the way. You know why? Because Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, I believe, that neither angels nor principalities nor powers sounds like a description of the powers of darkness, doesn't it? Nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What, a, what an amazing thing to think about to me. And we have a ringside seat to see it, to watch. Now, I'm going to look back at Philippians, I'm sorry, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you've kept your place there, you can. And look at verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Are these words, are these thoughts a comfort to you tonight? If they aren't, it may be an indication that you're not saved. And the Lord has brought you here tonight to his table. To his table. To hear again the message of his body that was broken, his blood that was shed for you, for you. And to confront you with the fact of his soon return, we will only meet like this till he come, till he come. <coughs> and he's brought you here to remind you that today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. He's brought you here to remind you that behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now. It's the only time you have. You don't have tomorrow. You may not be here tomorrow. Listen to the news of people's, people whose lives were snuffed out. Two women this week in Raleigh. Shot in their own neighborhood outside their house. You, you just listen to the news and there are people who obviously they got up, they were going along, things they thought were normal. And next thing they know, their lives are snuffed out. You're not promised tomorrow. Now is the only time that you have. And now is when you can humble your heart. Now is when you can bow your knee. Now is when... You can repent of your sin and trust the Lord Jesus to be your Savior. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 8. Michael is the archangel. He's the archangel who stands and he fights for Israel. He's the angel who contends and opposes the devil. And I believe that Michael and his angels are involved in the spiritual warfare of this, of this hour. I believe that they're standing today. I believe they're contending and disputing and opposing the devil and the powers of darkness on behalf of Abraham's spiritual seed in this evil day in which we're living. 
There's a number of proofs of that, I believe. One of them is 2 Kings chapter 6. We won't take time to turn there. But in 2 Kings chapter 6, we read about Elisha. Now, Elisha had been revealing to the king of Israel the plans, the war plans, the military plans of the king of Syria. And the king of Syria, you know, he got pretty upset about it, and he got his war council together, and he said, look, tell me which one of you fellows is for the king of Israel. And one of the fellows spoke up and said, no, none of us are for the king of Israel. It's Elisha. He knows what you're, you're saying. Even in the recesses of your private room, he knows. Of course, the Lord was revealing it to Elisha. So the king of Syria says, well, I'll take care of that problem. And so he sends his chariots and his horses and his host to Dothan. That's where Elisha was. And he surrounded the city. And early the next morning, Elisha's servant walks out and he looks and there they are. All of the horses and the chariots and the, the host of the king of Syria. And I'm sure that he went flying back into the house. And he said to Elisha, alas, my master, how shall we do? What are we going to do? And you remember that Elisha prayed. He prayed a very simple prayer. He said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And we read in verse 14. That the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. He got to see the heavenly band there. Folks, the Lord is not a respecter of persons. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. David tells us in Psalm 34 and verse 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. I think some of us have joked from time to time, especially when it comes to driving, about how dinged up some of our angels may be as they protect us as we're out and about. But they're there. They're there. Because God says they are. And Paul tells us in Hebrews 1 and verse 14 that the angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. What a blessing that is. What a provision God has made for his people. That's Michael, the warrior angels ministry. Now I want us to think about Gabriel. Gabriel is the messenger to the nation of Israel. And I think not only to the nation of Israel, but to us as well. And he reveals what's going to happen on the earth. We see that here in chapter 8, where Gabriel explains to Daniel um, Daniel's vision, and he explains that from, uh, concerning the... Medes and the Persians who are going to come. He explains Daniel's vision from their time to the time of Alexander the Great, the time of the Empire of Greece. 
He tells how Alexander's kingdom's going to be divided up, and it was among four of his generals. And, and in what is really a double prophecy, Gabriel foretells the coming of a fierce king. That king, the immediate fulfillment of that prophecy was a man by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes who foreshadows and pictures the Antichrist in the time of the end. And he tells Daniel that the Antichrist is going to stand up against the prince of princes, the God of heaven. And when he does, he'll be broken. Now look at Daniel chapter 9 and verse 20. Daniel says, and whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, whilst I was yet speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the, in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am come forth to give thee skill and understanding. If you're looking for a summation of Gabriel's ministry, you'll find it there in verse 22. His ministry is to inform and give skill and understanding from the Lord to his people. That's what we see him doing with Daniel. And it's here in chapter 9 that Gabriel gives the prophecy of the 70 weeks that are determined upon the nation of Israel. And it's in this prophecy that Gabriel tells of the coming Messiah. The coming Messiah. Look at verse 25 of chapter 9. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince... In verse 26, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. It's in this prophecy that Gabriel tells of the Messiah. It's the only two times that we find that word in the Bible. They're spoken by Gabriel here in chapter 9. It's Gabriel who gives the prophecy of the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem and how that from the going forth of that commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the time of Messiah the Prince, the time when he would offer himself publicly to the nation of Israel would be 69 weeks, or exactly 483 years. It's Gabriel who prophesies of the sacrificial death of the Messiah. He tells how Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. Not for himself. He was bruised for our iniquities. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. It pleased God to bruise him. It pleased God to make his soul an offering for sin. He's cut off, but not for himself. Again, that's what we're here to remember tonight. The time when the Lord Jesus was cut off for us. And the prophecy that Gabriel gives here extends into the midst of the 70th week, which is determined upon Israel. His, his prophecy extends down to the, 
the, the great tribulation, the last three and a half years, the time when Michael is going to stand up for the ch children of Israel. Now turn over to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And the ministry of Gabriel continues here. Zacharias, the priest, goes in to execute the priest office. And notice what we read in verse 11. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And who is this angel? We'll look at verse 19. Well, let's read verse 18. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. The angel has told him that he and his wife are going to have a child. And who is the angel? And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. There's Gabriel's ministry again. He's sent to speak and to show these glad tidings to Zacharias. Now look at verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. It's the angel Gabriel that is sent to Mary to speak and to show the word of the Lord. And in his message, we learn the identity. Remember, it's Gabriel who's talking about the Messiah back in Daniel chapter 9. It's, it's Gabriel who's telling Daniel that Messiah the Prince is going to come, that Messiah the Prince is going to be cut off, but not for himself. And so it's Gabriel. It's Gabriel. It's from him that we learn the identity of the Messiah. Look at um, verse 31. Gabriel tells Mary, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son. And shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Messiah is Jesus. Messiah the Prince is Jesus. He's the Son of the highest. He's the Son of God. God manifest in the flesh. That means that it is God who will be cut off. That was Gabriel's prophecy. It's God who will be cut off, not for himself. It's God that will be made sin for us. Folks, that's how 
wicked and evil and rebellious and helpless and hopeless that we are. Only God could save us. He's the only one. He's the one who took our sin upon himself. The one who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Gabriel, the angel of Christmas, gives us the message of Christmas. And in that message is the message of the cross of Calvary. The message that we've come to remember tonight. Until the Lord Jesus comes again. That brings Michael into the picture, doesn't it? The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel. Gabriel and Michael. The message of Christmas, the message of the Lord's Supper, the message of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the message that we're celebrating tonight. Till he comes. And that, we believe, is going to be very, very soon. If the men will come, we will remember this glorious message that the Lord has given to us.